inspired this message for me today was, um, I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm 25 years old, and I have a lot of people in my life that I've started to, uh, that I knew through high school, that I knew when I was growing up that are no longer in church anymore, that they have either just kind of gone off to college, kind of lost their way a little bit, but I, I started to wonder, how on earth can I be a person of light to them? How can I be someone who can be in their life but not be judgmental at the same time. How do I, I balance this, this thing of grace and truth at the same time? Where I love people so much that they know that the perfect love of Jesus is inside of me. But I don't sacrifice my morals at the exact same time. Where I bring love and truth at the exact same time. And so I've been, I've been wrestling with this situation in my life. And, I, and for me personally, I'm a pastor. So I don't get around people who, who, aren't, around, who aren't around sinners as much as, as some of you guys might be. You're like, you're like at work, I'm like, hello, there's lots of sinners at my place. Help me is what you're thinking. But I want to try to bring a message today that might say you are there in your workplace for a reason. That you're there on a purpose. That you're there on a mission. And for me personally, I, I've started to take this in my personal life. Like, am I putting myself around people that need the love and hope of Jesus Christ? And, and so one of the things I've, I've just recently started doing is like, I'm going to go play basketball once a week so that I can uh, just be around people who may not go to church, who may need some love in their life, who might need something more than just what they're going through in their day-to-day life. And how can I be that love and hope to people and so this, this thought came into my mind about eight months ago. We were at a birthday dinner, and, uh, and some people there, uh, we knew the people really well, but they, and they invited a lot of friends, and we got sat next to this couple that was about mine and Brianna's age, and we just started talking about life, just started talking about how, how, uh, what goes on in our life, how people were doing, and we are having this great conversation, and then they asked this wonderful question and said, what do you do for a living? And for me as a pastor, I have to think, what do I want to say right now? Do I want to lie? I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but do I want to lie a little bit and not tell the truth so that they don't feel bad about what they've been telling me this whole time? <laughs> or do I want to tell the truth and get, kind of get this look like, oh. <laughs> and so I go, well, I'm a pastor. And the person goes, oh. Gives me this look like, okay, well, what does that mean? You're a pastor. We've just been talking about life. I've been telling you all the stuff I've been doing. It was 420, by the way, so they, he might have been a little high, just to be honest. But, but I, I, just, I just very lovely said, hey, you know, just because we make mistakes doesn't mean that God doesn't love us anymore. And in this, in this thought, was, how do I convey that God loves him perfectly, even when he is messed up, when something has gone wrong in his life? But how do I bring truth in his life to know that, you know, God has something so much better for you as well? And how do I bring this message to him? And hopefully today I can convey eloquently, maybe uneloquently, that, that God has so much more for us in our lives and truth. And how do we bring that truth to other people in, in a loving way? And I think that we must first start with that. With the, my experience is that I have to love people no matter what. I have to have this irresistible love almost that God has, God has given me that I love people so much I don't care what they've done, that, that they can know that I, I, love them, I love them so much. In Galatians 5, 6, it says, the only thing that counts is in faith is expressing itself through love. 
and that means a lot to me because I know that when I have faith in my life, I express that way through love to other people. That when I'm unloving, I might not be having enough, I'm not, not, I'm not having faith. And so what I do is I express my faith through love towards other people. And, if I, and when I do it, I, I, when I love people correctly, it starts to change their hearts to what people perceive God really is. There's a lot of people who think, my, the friend that I met at this, at this party, he, he always thought that God was always just mad at him. It led on to a conversation of, what, is God mad at me for what I'm doing currently? Is God upset with what's, what's happening in my life? And I was like, no, God loves you perfectly, even where you are right now. But he loves you too much right now where you are to leave you where you are. And because he loves you so much, he wants you to take the next step in your walk with Christ. And just one step at a time. He's not expecting leaps and bounds, but he is expecting us to take the next step in our life and in our walk with Christ. One way to say it is you cannot antagonize, or, or, wait, sorry, here's a quote that I love. We cannot antagonize and influence at the same time. If I was to be judgmental to that person, he would have shut me off and he would have never listened to another thing that I said. But because I said, no, God loves you still perfectly. He loves you perfectly. I showed love to him first. And then I got to say, but that's not what's best for you. But God has something so much more for your life. And I invited him to church. I invited him to come join me in my life. And he hasn't come yet, but you know what? I'm still texting and I'm still inviting, but I want him to know that there is a love and a hope here that he cannot get anywhere else. You cannot win your enemies to Christ, so don't have any. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who are like, righteous for Christ and you know what you you are perfectly correct when you say that there there are standards there are rules there are things that we need to do you are correct perfectly it's just not helping anybody but when we bring love and we bring the standards at the same time we get to help people take who they are in Christ so in John chapter uh, 13 34 Jesus is giving us a new commandment and he says a new commandment I give to you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And honestly, this wasn't a new commandment, but, but Jesus is reinstating it that when you love other people as I have loved you, they're gonna change. I mean, dear Lord, if, you, if you've ever experienced someone with unconditional love towards another person, you can't help but love them. You can't help but want to be around them. Let me tell you something. No one wants to be around a grouch or a Debbie Downer or someone who's negative all the time. It's exhausting. Some of you might be exhausted from Christmas right now because you've been around a Debbie Downer all Christmas Eve. And you're just at church because you're like, dear Jesus, I need help today. I need to get out of the house. <laughs> but God has called us to love one another. And when we love, we experience something supernatural and something amazing. And so right now, I just want to kind of break down. We have, when we have love, it's absolutely amazing. But what happens when we don't have love? What happens when we, when we are, are ineffective with love? What happens when we just put the standards out there and we don't have love to back it up? Without love, all I say is ineffective. 
In 1 Corinthians 13, 1, it says, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. When I, when I say things without love, I cannot be heard anymore. Yeah. Ask your spouse if you've ever done something without love, and they do not hear anything that you're saying anymore. But when you bring it to them in love and you're saying, babe, I love you so much, but please don't talk to me this way when you do this. Or when, like me, I don't communicate very well sometimes. And when Brianna goes, hey, babe, can you please communicate to me? I'm like, oh, yes, sweetheart. I can totally do that. <laughs> and sometimes I still don't. But I'm, I'm a work in progress, people. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I'm like, it's, it's my flaw, and I know I need to get better, and I'm trying. <laughs> Without love, all I know is insignificant. In 1 Corinthians 13, 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, it goes on to say, but if I do not have love, it's worthless. One thing my mom taught me is no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. When we care about people, when we start to say, I love you in this area of your life, no matter what the consequences, no matter what you're doing right now, they're like, oh my goodness, I know that you love me now. How much more are you going to love me when I'm acting right or when I'm doing right or when things are happening in my life? It's unconditional love that draws people to the Father. It is not rules and regulations. Come on now, we all speed, let's go. <laughs> we all, we're, it, it's not the rules and regulations that draws us towards Christ, it's the love of the Father that draws us towards him, that makes him irresistible to come to. So without love, all I believe is insignificant. In 1 Corinthians 13 2, Paul's still writing, he goes, if I have faith that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. I am nothing without this supernatural love in my life that is contagious, that is going. I can literally move a mountain, but if I don't have love to, after that mountain's moved to help someone's life out, I have nothing. It, without love, all I give is incomplete. 1 Corinthians 13, 3, if I give all my possessions to the poor, and it goes on to say, but I, if, if I do not have love, Everything is worth, it goes on essentially say everything is, is, is incomplete. When we give out of love, when we give out of something that's happening in, in 2016 when Hurricane Harvey happened and we, we gave, I think it was two semi-trucks full of water, we gave that out of the love for the people that were in, when, were in Houston. It was out not of, oh, begrudgingly giving. It was a, I have a love for the people that are there, that they need help in this situation, that I can't just sit by and, I, and do nothing with my life. I have to do something. I have to be a part of something. I need to be a part of something in someone's life. And when we understand that when we're giving, we're not just giving for someone else. We're giving for that person who needs love in their life, who needs Jesus in their life, who needs something to change that they don't know what it is yet. Without love, all I accomplish is inadequate. In 1 Corinthians 13, 3, if I give my body over to hardships that I might boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Well, you know, I, I truly believe that when, when we're in heaven and we're about to receive our award, I think one of the biggest questions that's going to get us is, how did you love other people? You know, um, one thing that my mom always uh, that said, for the heart for the house video that I had completely forgotten about. And she said that, you know, the one thing 
that when they were starting out was they didn't have a lot of stuff. They didn't have like the lights, the, the, the wonderful place that we're in right now. But she said, you know, you always have love to give. You know, it's a free thing. It costs us nothing to give, but it is the most powerful thing you can give away. You know, one of the things that my, my dad and, oof, sorry, starting to cry here. <laughs> one thing that my parents did so well is I always knew I was loved. Is that it was a constant, uh, affirm, uh, uh, just affirming, letting us know how, impo- how great we were, how amazing we were. And it was not ever a thing of, oh, I, I obey them because they're, they're my parents. It was a, I don't want to disappoint the people who love me so much. The people who want to be in my life so much, who want to who see me succeed, who, who want what's best in my life. You know, that's really one of the, the reasons that we have such a great relationship today is because they always loved first and always gave it away freely, unearned, undeserved love in, our, in my life. You know, um, that Paul goes on to talk in this chapter in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, it's kind of the wedding verse. It's kind of the, like, if you're going to a wedding, this verse is probably going to get read and it's, you're going to just hear it. But it's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and it says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails in our life because when we have that supernatural love, it it is contagious to other people. It's immaculate. It it understands that I can go further than anything else. You know, I, I believe it's read at so many at so many weddings because there's just no, no better definition of it. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. It's, it's persevering. It's, it's, it's not in our own self-interest. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. When I love someone, I'm not easily angered at them. When I'm not being loving, I, I can tell when I'm, I'm a little edgy, when I haven't gotten my full sleep, and I I'm, I'm, I'm wake up on the wrong side of the bed, or for some of you, you just let them sleep, and you're like, uh, they got to sleep a little bit longer. They're being rude. <laughs> but love wants what's best for the other person. It's willing to go out of its way to help that other person out. It's, it's hopeful. It's, it's, it's seeking that, you know, I really don't want what's best in my life right now. It might be a little inconvenient for me right now, but I know I need to help this other person out right now. I, I, I've got great friendships, and I believe it's because... I've loved well right now. I've, I've been there when they've moved, and I don't like moving stuff at all. I don't think anybody does, but, but when, we, when we're there for the little things, it, it, it shows that I'm here no matter what for you. Love well. So talking about this, I want to give just a kind of a practical example of it. And one of the people, I, I, as I was kind of looking through this, was was Jesus obviously is like the most amazing person. He loved well and brought truth at the same time. But I wanted to kind of give us like a human approach. Like I need, I need a Richie who did this actually, who wasn't like, who wasn't perfect, <laughs> who might've made some mistakes as well. And, and the person I kind of found who, who really exemplified this was Daniel. And he, he loved well in a time, in a culture that was 
anti-God. He'd gotten taken away from his home. He'd gotten, he basically had been renamed. He, like, if you, how many of you have ever watched VeggieTales? Like, VeggieTales is like the best thing ever. That's how I learned the Bible. Like, it's not like I read it. I was like, VeggieTales is the best thing in the world. <laughs> Taught me the Bible in a fun way. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, uh, uh, oh goodness, let me look at my notes again. <laughs> Anyway, Daniel, he's, he's, he's taken away. He's in a foreign land, and he exemplifies how to, how to stand firm and, and be graceful at the same time. He, he exemplifies this. And in Daniel chapter 6, you see this, this man who is, who is serving a king, but he's also very honorable at the same time. He is, he's there, and he wants to serve the king so well, he's honoring someone who does not have the same religion, the same background as him, but he serves him so well. In Daniel chapter 6, it says this, it pleased Darius to appoint 120, I don't know that word, strapites? I don't know, let's say, let's say that. Seratraps, there we go. Thank you, Pastor Richie. <laughs> to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel, the straps were made accountable to them that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel was so distinguished himself among the administrators and the strapites that by his exceptional qualities, I love that, by his exceptional qualities, by the fact that he honored, that he was truthful, that he loved other people so perfectly that uh, the, the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this time, the administrators and the strapites tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of his government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Daniel was so honorable. He was doing the right thing, even when he was in a culture that was probably doing the wrong thing, that was probably corrupt. That, you know, you could not bribe Daniel to do the wrong thing because he knew whose he was. They could find no corruption in him and neither corrupt nor neglect. He was, not, he was neither corrupt nor was he an idiot. He was, he was someone who was, who was well-trained, who understood what to do. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against, against this man, Daniel. And they let it go. But Daniel served so well. He served so honorably because he understood that I'm going to do my job well no matter what. I might be in a foreign place. I might be in a place where I'm uncomfortable a little bit, where people around me are probably not doing the right thing, but I'm going to represent myself well and my God well. And so I want to just take a quick look and of, what, of what Daniel did. And the first thing that Daniel probably did is he served them. He was, he was so exceptional about his, his qualities and Paul talks about this too. If we want to win other people to Christ, we have to serve them first. In 1 Corinthians 9.19, though I'm a free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Let me tell you something. You have to connect before you correct. You have to understand that there is someone in your life that you have to connect with and that you have to love so unconditionally before you can ever bring correction into their life. And you know what, and, and, and for me, I've, I've tried to understand that when people are bringing correction into my life, I'm, I'm understanding that they just want to make me better, actually. That they're not trying to be rude or hateful or mean, but they want me to be better than I am today. And when we, when we connect with other people, when we show them that there is love, that there is hope, that there is someone in our lives that wants to connect with us, that loves them for who they are right now, 
they're willing to take steps to change tomorrow. And, you know, uh, Jesus did this so well with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was walking, uh, was, was up in a tree, and Jesus saw him, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I need to go to your house for lunch today. Jesus goes to his house for lunch, has lunch, and Zacchaeus, at the end of the meal, without prompting, goes, anyone that I have wronged, I'm going to repay them seven times. Jesus connected before he ever corrected. Now, I'm not sure what happened at lunch. I'm pretty sure it would have been a pretty intense lunch with Jesus being there, but, but Jesus connected to Zacchaeus before he ever corrected him. Point number two is set an example for them. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It, will no, it is no good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light on a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone on the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The greatest influence you can ever have is how you live your life right now. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, one of the things I love about small groups is that I come into small groups and I go, I know I'm not perfect, but thank God I'm not where I used to be today. You know, and I know tomorrow I'm going to be better than I was today. And I'm taking steps today to get there. That today I might not be, and I will never be perfect, but I understand I want to get better every single day. I want those relationships in my life to make me better every single day. I want people pouring into my life because I want them in there. Because I want to be better today. I I want people to know that my life is different than theirs. And the last thing is, is share Christ with them. First Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. With love and compassion. Let them know that there is something so great in their life that they need it. But do it with such gentleness and compassion that they're like, Wow, I've never met someone like you. All right. I've never met someone like you before. I've never met someone who who loves me first before you try to change me, who loves me where I am right now. And it's not saying that loving them right now doesn't mean I love people too much to keep them where they are, that I don't want them to stay where they are, that there's more for your life than just that. So keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak miraculously against your good behavior, maliciously, who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. How I act is more important than what I say. When I, when I, when I act well, when I understand that I'm going to love people well, when I do things in a, in a way that, God, I want to just be pleasing to you today. I want to help other people. I want them to know that I am different than the other people that are going to walk into their life today. My life is different because you made me different. When I do that, I understand that, God, you change everything. The way I act should be a reflection on you. And so what I say is not as important as the way I act. I, I want to love people well. 
but I also need to know that they, they do need the truth. But it, it, it does not matter if I know the truth perfectly if I can't love well. So as we kind of pray today, I just want people to know that there is a supernatural God who wants to know you personally. And, you know, as we go out today, I want people to know that there are people in your life who need this life-giving message, who who need something supernatural in their life, and that there are people in your life who need it. One of things I started doing about a year ago is I started making a list of people in my life who, who either don't know God or who aren't connected to church. I didn't, I didn't want to presume that they just don't know Jesus, but I was like, I'm going to start praying for them daily. And people on my list, I want them to come to Christ. I want them to know that there's something supernatural in their life, that there's something amazing in their life, that there's people who love them and care for them. One of the people in my, in, in the, on that list just recently started coming back to church. And, you know, the journey's not over for them. I want them to know there's so much more in their life, that God has so much greater things for them, but I still have people on my list. And I still have people I want to see God do great things in their life. But it doesn't, it doesn't start until they know that I love them where they're at right now. And something I want to encourage you guys to do is go home, make a list. Who are people in your life that you want to see changed? That there's someone in your life that needs the love and hope of Jesus Christ that you have.